And we are live, back with another episode of Shift the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism stage herself, Mama Baden. I just shaved, and I look so <laughs> weird in the camera. I look like whenever you see like a character or a person who always has a beard, and mm-hmm. they shave, and they just look like a naked mole rat. Like, that's what my face looks like right now. But mm-hmm. anyway, how are you, Mama Baden? You know, it's one of those things where... I'm doing good. Busy, busy, busy. But I just had this like thought in my head of when I listen to the radio show, sometimes like in the morning, if I happen to have to leave in the morning and the radio people are like talking about, oh my gosh, you know, I dropped my toothpaste and this morning and the dog and I'm like, oh my gosh, why are they talking about it on the radio? And here we are talking about shaving. (laughs) It fills the time and it makes you more personable. I just stop laughing. I, 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 that, I'm not bringing that much here professionally. So, like, I have to bring, like, the DJ humor, <laughs> shock, shock. So, that all the other sides besides professional oh stuff, I got to do something I'm, on this podcast. I am going to find a way to restrict you from saying that again, that you don't bring in the professional. However, um, no, I, I legitimately don't. I hate, I, I, I know it's a complete tangent, but I hate, I, I shouldn't say hate, but like, I don't like autistic people mainly online, who mm-hmm. clearly have never worked with other autistic people, who don't have any certificates, like, yeah. their experience is, is like, self-experience and just mm-hmm. stuff they pull out of their asses. Yeah. And they're like, autism is X, Y, and Z. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just shut yeah. up. You don't yeah. know what you're talking about. So yeah. I will never call myself professional unless I have extensive experience working with autistic people mm-hmm. and letters next to my name. Because even though that doesn't mean everything, it does mean somebody or a group of somebodies mm-hmm. looked at your work and said, this guy at least has a passable understanding of the stuff. There's yep. some uh, standard of excellence, for lack of a better word there, when you have letters next to your name. So that's why I don't call myself professional, because I just hate people who don't know what they're talking about, who then act like they're professionals because they're not they're not they're not they're not and then they don't defer to people who are like you have all the letters you went like if i'm a professional then all the work you did means nothing because you went to school you have all these certificates i did none of that stuff so that that, that's the reason more than self there's a little bit of self-deprecation going on but more than that that's kind of the reason i can respect that and it's a great segue into our topic because we are talking about professionalism, employment, however we want to frame it. Um, do you want to kind of introduce the topic, Tori? Yeah, we're basically running it back from what will likely be last week's episode when this goes up, mm-hmm. where me and what well, I'm probably going to call the Ort crew, so me, Henry, and Ryan, uh, sort of chopped it up and talked about the struggles a lot of autistic people face, finding jobs, working jobs, things like that, stuff you'll face on jobs, mm-hmm. l- like interviews and all that. But Mm -hmm. none of us are professionals, as we were just saying. We're just autistic people who've worked a lot of jobs, who've been canned from a lot of jobs, and and because of which have done a lot of interviews. And I want to do like a part two, because Mm -hmm. you actually are a professional. You have worked with autistic people to help them get jobs. You know all this stuff from a more hands-on academic approach. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your opinion on this sort of topic. So it would be more than just uh, me and my friends sort of riffing on stuff as entertaining as it was and as fun as that was. So I guess what I want to do is just ask some questions mm-hmm. and see what your thoughts are and hear your tangents and your stories and really sort of 
add some depth to this conversation because I think it's really important and it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. As I said in the previous episode, a lot goes into interviews. Everyone obsessed about interviews because they seem to think every autistic person is bad at interviews. It's one, yeah. it's just not true. And yeah. two, if you have the qualifications, no one cares how bad you are. I shouldn't say no one because Ryan on the last episode talked about how his bad interview cost him a job despite qualifications. Mm-hmm. But interviews aren't the be-all and end-all. Once yeah. you get the finding the job is hard. Once you get the job, it's even harder because oftentimes you're not accommodating unless you work for Google or some other big company where you're not easily replaceable. So they actually care about accommodating you. Yeah. So I want to talk about stuff companies can do and stuff individuals can do in 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 absence of these accommodations. Because Perfect. what we talk about is what all three of us were grunts. Mm-hmm. We weren't tech geniuses. We didn't. Our first job, we didn't make a hundred grand. None of us have had a hundred grand job in our lives. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure about that. I, I, I'm not. I, I don't know what these guys make exactly, but I'm, I, I know I haven't. I'm pretty sure they haven't either. So we work normal people jobs, which is what most autistic people are going to be working, and we're replaceable. Mm-hmm. So th- those are sort of the things we went over, mm-hmm. and those sort of things I want to talk about. But first, I do want to talk about the stuff that everybody else does. So the finding a job interviews, because I that, that is important. I don't want to make sound yes. like it's not important. No, it's very important. So what I will say is this, I would like to talk about it from my perspective as um, a coach for young um, autistic individuals and adults. Um, my perspective as, I guess, someone who works with an autistic individual as well as the parent perspective. Um, so one of the things that it is, I wanted to just you know sort of point out to the listeners, there was a post that you put on, I think it was earlier today, and um, it was about autistic burnout, right? And one of the things that popped in my head, even though I kind of forgot about what our topic was, but maybe I didn't forget about it, was you know accommodations for adults, like, are employees aware of it, right? Do they understand? Are they respectful? So that was something that kind of popped in my head in terms of that. But also I will share a little um, a little insight into my perspective as someone who works with an autistic individual, which is yourself. And I will say that um, I'm fortunate enough to understand autism to the level where I know I have to think about how I communicate to you, other autistic, but but we work together. But also my understanding of if you feel like you wanted to get a task done and it wasn't done in a timely manner, it doesn't bother me because I understand that when you are in a place, it's going to get done and it's going to be done well. And I think that for employers to value that, right? It's not always about the timeline. And the reality of it is when there is something that's a timeline, it's not like you don't have anything done, anything that's important, right? Because the way I think about it, especially since I got back from Ghana, the United States puts way too much pressure on time. It's too much about time, time constraints, is why everybody's stressed out. I'm not saying because Stacy lives on her own clock that we should all just do what we want. What I'm saying is 
there are people cultures around the world that don't have the time constraints that we put on ourselves and they seem to be doing just fine right that's what i'm saying they seem to still be getting things done now um so from an employer perspective i try to check myself right i try to check in with you sometimes i feel like i am not doing a really good job you know in terms of giving you space um or time um and i've never really talked about it so i just kind of want to throw that out there this is not a team meeting but <laughs> our, our topic because as someone who works with you who is autistic um i'm fine with whenever however like you know i think the beauty of it is you work late nights i'm like okay fine torn works three o'clock in the morning whatever we can meet in the afternoon so i have the the uh what's the word i can do that because it's my own business but what would you say from your perspective is something that former employers of yours have done wrong and even myself, right? That's not helpful. Uh, that's a that's a how much time we got. <laughs> I think I'm gonna speak more in generalities. Okay. Otherwise, this would this would just never get done. A lot of companies have a tendency. So in America and in the Western world and in cities, there aren't a lot of smaller businesses. So that's one thing. Most small businesses are have been eaten up by large corporations. Mm -hmm. So what you get is you have the head of the corporations and you have the, the franchises and you have a manager and a regional manager and a, a country manager and a global manager and a manager of like anal fishers or whatever. So you get what you get is there's a lot of, uh what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of not incompetency, inefficiency. There's a lot of inefficiency due to the large chain and there's a lack of flexibility mm -hmm. because if the manager, if the assistant manager of a store does something, then they have to answer to the general manager who has to answer to the, to the city manager who has to answer to the regional manager and so on and so forth. So it's sort of, like you said, top down. They mm -hmm. tell you what to do and that's sort of what they have to stick with. Their, their individual abilities to change things are limited. So mm -hmm. I think that in and of itself is a problem that, depending on where you live, the job options out there are pretty limited, which is almost oxymoronic if you think about it. If you live in some place like New York City, where there's all these opportunities, but like I said, a lot of these opportunities are large corporations. There aren't a lot of small businesses. There are mm -hmm. some, but not a lot. And you kind of have to know people to get those jobs. So the jobs you're applying for, if you don't know people, are going to be these sort of jobs where Accommodations just are not going to happen unless you're in the upper echelons, where your salary your 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 salary bracket starts with five zeros next to the mm -hmm. first number. Because mm -hmm. under that, they're not going to do anything for you because you're not worth it. They can just get someone who doesn't need accommodations and won't be a headache for them. Yeah. So I think the biggest issue is that, and simply when you are a grunt, you just you simply you don't have the bargaining power. Mm -hmm. And I think every other problem, I could list the individual problems, but I think every individual problem stems from that. It's gotcha. That's a combination a of corporate culture and just being too low on the on on too low on the ladder to matter. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. So 
I'm going to throw out a question that just popped in my head and I'm not even sure if it's appropriate or not, but it's my podcast. So I want to say, do you feel that, okay, so growing up a little black girl in South Louisiana, we, our family teaches us, we have to do more, right? To just get equal opportunity, right? Like you can't just make an A, you have to make like a super A, right? Well, according the black Republicans, everyone's starting at the exact same rate and no one's getting advantages over anybody else. Yeah, I heard that. I saw that in fact, and it was a little like disheartening because it's 2023. But do you feel that it is the same analogy in terms of neurodivergent, specifically autistic individuals have to demonstrate their value to get the opportunity or vice versa? Oh, most definitely. You have to demonstrate your value because especially so, and Ryan talked about this a bit in the last episode where they want, especially interviews, like when they're first getting to know you, they want to see certain things. They want to see a certain social ability. They want to see a certain proactiveness. If you don't demonstrate those things, not necessarily because you don't have them, but they, you don't demonstrate them in a neurotypical way, mm-hmm. they're already going to look at you side-eyed. So mm-hmm. your resume better sparkle. And your skill set better be so overwhelming that it makes up for those things. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of times it's not because we all, this sounds very negative, but we all like think that we're the protagonists, we're the chosen one, we're the we're Katniss in the Hunger Games. Fact of the matter, we're not. Most people are average. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're average and you're autistic, you're basically below average because the society is not geared towards you. So yeah. now you have all these things against you. You have to have all these things to balance out. If you don't have them, you're screwed. Yeah. So I think that you're constantly having to prove yourself and prove mm-hmm. your skills and stress over your resume and things like that and deal with being fired and deal with being discriminated against in interviews and such that like neurotypicals might not have to deal with as much. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to talk about the parent perspective based on my experience working with the young adults and their parents. Um, Cause it is very different um, when I'm working with young college age kiddos or teens because I'm coaching the teen because they have in their head autonomy. Um, and then the parents are still, of course, you know, over the, the, the minor child. So I have to work with both. So I have to get the parents to understand the child's perspective when it comes to employment. And one of the things I hear from the parents of teens and, and college age kids is they just can't keep a job. I don't understand why. And I'll share a secret, not a secret, a story. And I think I've told you this story before, Torin, maybe. Uh, There was an adult client of mine who just received a late diagnosis. And one of the things in the prep meeting with the parent was, you know, they were really frustrated because this individual just did not keep that job, right? They should have tried harder and I don't understand. And so I said, well, where were they working? (laughs) I said, Chick-fil-A. I said, oh my gosh, that's like the most sensory overwhelming work environment ever. There's like 500 people in one small space in the drive-thru, right? Very efficient system. They're very efficient, but it's a lot of close proximity, right? A lot of fast moving, a lot of things like just constant, constant everything. That's a lot for most autistic individuals. 
So it wasn't the right job for her, right? So I had to help them understand the sensory component and then help her understand you're applying for jobs that are not going to work for you, right? I understand service, that's what we do. You work at McDonald's, you work at fast food, but we need to look at other things that you can do that maybe will meet your sensory needs and you can get better accommodations because that is not gonna work, right? And um, I think for this particular person, we actually ended up after months and months of, of just everybody frustrated, you know, the autistic person wanted a job to make their own money. And the parents were like, oh my gosh, they don't have a job. I said, you know, you're always talking about dogs and animals, but you guys can't have one. You live in a subdivision, start a dog walking. Seriously, people would love for you to come and walk their dog while they are fixing dinner. Um, not everyone, but you could start there and then you could build yourself something where you get to work your own hours, go to school. So they ended up pet sitting in the neighborhood. Awesome. Right? So thinking outside the box parents for our young children, and I say young children because that's the way we see it, but they're really teens. They're working age, if that makes any sense. So I guess, well, well once again, um, Republicans yeah. want to make working aids like 12. So you have oh, to be specific. It's just ridiculous. Um, although there are, you know, if your parents own a business, you're probably working at age five because that's just what everybody does when you have a, a business. Uh, I mean, you know, technically not like, hopefully not child labor, but so I say that to say that parents who are listening, um, we have to understand why our, our, our kiddos are struggling with maintaining a job, getting a job and all of that. And so that brings me to the perspective of being a coach, right? And coaching um, uh, autistic uh, age job appropriate. I can't find my words now, but the part about looking for the right job is like, I feel like the first step Yes, it narrows your repertoire of what you can apply for. But if you find something that works for you, then you don't have to keep getting fired, right? So it's almost like long-term search for the right thing or creating something on your own is better in the long run than taking whatever you can. And then I can... Uh, just looking, listening to you, Torn, and, and, and other um, autistic folks, it becomes very uh, damaging to your self-esteem. And I hate the word self-esteem, but it becomes damaging to your, your, your self-worth if you're constantly being fired. And it's not even because you can't do the job. It's just because you um, needed a sensory break when the restaurant was busy, right? Okay. Uh, so so what do we do about that, right? Well, the restaurant needs you here. So don't get put on the shift that is the busiest. Yes, you may make less in tips, but at least you'll be getting something and not being fired, right? So thinking of like, what would be the spot? What I would love if it, I would love if, I'm asking for a lot, if, if colleges and even organizations like um, some of the nonprofits, I won't name a nonprofit, but some of the local nonprofit chapters, I would love if they would do more of this helping young teen 
college age autistic individuals understand their autistic identity in terms of what will work for you, right? What will work for you? Just like they do with colleges. Would you want to go to a big college or a small college? Do you want to go to college far away or college close by, right? We should do the same when it comes to jobs. And right now, I mean, there's jobs everywhere. I'm not saying that everybody will be get hired, but there's tons of options now because nobody's working. So okay. that's my, my two cents on that. I, I think, so you touched on multiple points that I want to touch on, but first I want to start off with apologizing. Why? The next couple seconds, I'm going to be kind of a and there's just, there's no politically correct way I can go about saying this. So I'm just going to say it. So you've been warned. Okay. I'm ready. This person's parents are wondering why their kid had issues working in Chick-fil-A, which is fast food. So have these two idiots ever actually been to any fast food joint, let alone Chick-fil-A? Like at any time of the day ever. Like just not even inside, just passed through, just looked inside ever. Have have they? Because like, I can these people wipe themselves? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, I, like I have serious doubts about that. Like I don't want to be around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, Fast food is one of the hardest jobs you can possibly do for anybody. The Starbucks mm-hmm. that I like, I like to go to Starbucks, so I like to write. So I like to get out of the house. It's mm-hmm. a cool environment. Well, Starbucks around me keeps either closing early with 15 minutes notice or just shutting down entirely in the middle of the day because they don't have anybody to work there. Like you mm-hmm. said, there's tons of jobs. One of the why tons of jobs? Because the jobs are hard to do. They're yes. incredibly hard to do, and most people, neurotypical or not, can't handle them. That Starbucks keeps burning through employees. Like I see people, as they go there a lot, they just get hired and they're gone in a week. The reason they're gone in a week is because during that week they look like death. Yeah. Because it's such a difficult job. Yeah. Fast food and there are other jobs. Fast food in particular is one of the I've done it. It's one of the hardest jobs, and most people, not because they're autistic, but just in general, are not cut out for it because. There's no downtime. It's so fast-paced. You have to be able to do multiple things at once. People mm-hmm. treat you like shit. It's hot as hell. It's loud as hell. The managers are usually stressed out, and they're usually there. They're usually in that position because of nepotism in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they're usually not qualified to actually run anything, no less something as complicated as a fast food joint during rush hour. And these parents are wondering why their autistic kid couldn't handle working there when most people can't handle working there. What they need to do is stop watching Fox News, and I'm sorry for keep getting political, just keeps coming up, who's telling, oh, people just don't want to work. Spend yeah. the day working job there yes. and tell me you don't want to work. It's like, well, yeah. they're paying more. Oh, good. They've gone from the federal minimum wage to $7.25 to $8. Big fucking whoop. Yeah. Those jobs are difficult. If you put an autistic person in that environment, they're almost certainly not going to be able to succeed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's stupid to expect them to succeed. And yep. this isn't a thing where it's like, oh, well, I, I'm learning about autism. Just use common sense. Exactly. Christ, some of these people are stupid. Yeah. And, and I'm and sorry right. for not being nice about that. There is no, no way to be nice. Common sense. People. Exactly. Common fucking sense. Yes. And I love that. And do not edit that because, you know, You've, you've heard me when I call and, and say, oh my gosh, like, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't figure out the common sense, like common sense, you don't blah, 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 um, like you don't put the Doritos where the two-year-old can get access and then get upset because they keep eating Doritos, put them up high, right? Common sense. However, initially I was like, well, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because 
they didn't know that she was autistic. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. You told me all of her personality traits and what worked for her and worked for her and didn't work for her. Why did you encourage her to get a job there? Well, I mean, I worked at fast food like we all work at fast food. It builds your, okay. Parents, our children are different human beings than we are. They have different interests. They have different thresholds. They have different tolerances. And they don't have to do everything that we did or in the way in the order that we did it. Just a <laughs> memo um, because it also, usually Also, those jobs work. are harder than they used to be because they yes. used to hire. I can tell you at fast food mm -hmm. and food service that I do some experience in, they don't hire enough people now because they try to cut costs wherever they can. Yes. So they do, they run some algorithm that says, what is the absolute minimum amount of employees you can have on staff without the place like catching mm -hmm. fire? And mm -hmm. that's they run. So yep. back 20 years ago, when, when I was younger, they had seven people for a seven people job, for a seven person job. Now they have five, four or five people exactly. for that same seven person job. Yes. So yep. it's also not the same as when, when you were a kid, it's not mm -hmm. the same. Yep. Things change in 20 or 30 years. I don't care how people don't get that. They do. They do change. So parents need to be supportive. They need to, um, uh, and when I say supportive, I mean, like you help and guide your children on everything else, help guide them. You know, you know, I like to think outside the box. So I remember once I recommended, I was like, listen, you tell me all the time that they love to put things in alphabetical order. Like they've always liked to do that, right? So find some office that needs their files cleaned and organized. Let them organize. They don't have to talk to anybody. They don't have to work with anybody. They can work after five if they want to when they're cleaning the office. Like seriously, there are a hundred million jobs and a lot of parents know other people in the world besides their family unit that have businesses, or if you don't know anybody, just go ask a business. Just go ask. There are lots of businesses saying, God, I wish somebody would do this mundane job of filing these files because it's really boring. Well, somebody who loves to put alphabet in order would love to do that and get paid for it. So think creatively and outside the box about well, what can my child do? They love animals, but we can't have a dog because their sibling is allergic. Let them volunteer at the zoo. Let, that leads to a job, right? Let them start when they're younger. They can volunteer at the animal shelter. There's so many things that we can do. It's not just the fast food restaurant. And yes, I understand not everybody has access to those things. And of course, hopefully the common sense listeners will know that I understand we don't always have the same resources. But my point is think outside the box, help your child when they start navigating employment, decide um, what jobs they need to look for and, and start there. And that'll save you a lot of headache, right? Yes, you're gonna have bumps. I mean, that's part of the process of growing up. We all, I mean, I feel like if you haven't gotten fired once or twice, you haven't lived. I mean- You've what? only gotten fired once or twice, you haven't lived. I only got fired twice. That, that's on the low end. That ain't like you know, it's like it's like the uh it's like the Wolf of Wall Street mm -hmm. scene when Matthew McConaughey though is like you know, those are rookie numbers. You gotta pump those numbers up. You know how many times I I don't even know how many times like it, it's tough too because like I've also quit a lot. Mm -hmm. So and I've worked so many jobs, I've lost track. I've probably been fired at least 
off the top of my head without having to make myself have to edit something for Dead Silence, I would say four or five times at least. Oh my gosh, I just thought of a third one. I was fired three times. I forgot about Bennigan's. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if we want to talk specifics. Here's what I specifically mean about certain jobs, especially in the food industry, because that's where people gravitate towards. That's where there's always a huge demand, yes. which I think in and of itself is a problem. It's the easiest jobs to find or tends to be the hardest. So you oftentimes have to do a little digging. Yes. And that involves being comfortable with being unemployed or having your kid unemployed significant periods of time while they have to dig deeper because just doing making a profile on Indeed isn't going to bring up the jobs you want. They're just going to bring up these crappy jobs. When I worked at college, I worked at dining hall. It's my first food service experience. And that was probably one of the best jobs. Not because it was easy. It was actually really hard. But because it was a state school and they got money from the state, part of the money they got from the state was to a but was a budget to hire students so they could have a little pocket change. So in my case, I could go spend all my money on booze and, and indulge my alcohol habit, um, which I wasn't the only one, I assure you, who was doing that. But because they have a budget, they can actually hire enough people. So mm-hmm. it's dining hall, you got a job, and whatever your job was, whatever the task you had to do was, you just did it over and over for like five or six hours, which to an autistic person is heaven. It's absolute heaven. And I could work in the dishroom where I wouldn't even have to talk to people. I could just do the same thing, get really, really good at it, have a system and all of that stuff, and then chill with the other like social rejects. That's how you end up in the dishroom because you're socially inept. At norm in the real world, quote unquote, college is in the real world. So in the real world, with air quotes, you don't have that luxury because, like I said, they underhire because they're not getting money from the state. Yeah, if they are. They're not spending it on actual good things like hiring people. They mm-hmm. underhire. So the biggest issue with underhiring is you can't just do that one or two things. You're expected to do everything and you're be, not just you, on fries. You're not allowed to be a specialist. You're expected yeah. to be to do kind of everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at once. I work for a unnamed chain that is, is as popular as Chick-fil-A and involves a lot of rice and chicken. I was leaving it at that. Where I would work, I would work dish room, which is filthy. We're dealing with, with dishes. And at a moment's notice, which you weren't exactly told when, someone would call me. I'd have to discard my gloves, quickly wash my hands, sprint from one end of the kitchen to the other. Like geographically, they were on opposite ends. And season the raw chicken. Remember, I've washed my hands, but I've just been working like ankle deep in dirty water. And I'd have to seize, rub my hands on the raw chicken, put it in the fridge, clean up again, then run back across the kitchen to the sinks, which are now overwhelmed with dirty dishes because I hadn't been there for the last 15 minutes. And when I brought this up, I was like, this is incredibly inefficient. Their answer was just move faster. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of, you know, hiring someone whose job it was. And it, I, I've seen it and I've had friends see it. There's so much inefficiency. It's actually, it's actually insane. You think with all that corporatism, it'd be, it'd be like super efficient because they have data and stuff. But it's not. It really, yeah. it, it, when it gets through, it's actually incredibly inefficient because it doesn't take, they, they see people as cogs and mm-hmm. numbers that have taken the individual employee skill sets. So they have people who are in positions where they're not the best at mm-hmm. just because the numbers say, you can plug anybody into the spot and they'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So that is one of the things. Another thing you touched on earlier, which I'm finally getting to, is the example you use of dog walking. That, I believe, for a lot of autistics is the answer. It's, for example, I work for you, where instead of working for a typical job, you find something off the beaten path or you do or you 
or you create your own job. Mm-hmm. Especially what annoys me the most is, I understand if you come from like my background where money is a must, you can't wait around to discover something, to do some research, to build your own business. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these parents who we get who are mad come from the middle class where they don't want their kid to have a job because the family is in desperate need. They just want their kid to have a job because that's what adults are supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, oh, so they don't desperately need the money. Maybe there's something they want to buy and you want to teach them fiscal responsibility, but like it's not desperation. Like every time yeah. I've had to have a job, it's been either support myself or my dad. Yeah. Like I didn't have those, those luxuries. So if they don't need the money, and I mean need the money to help support the household immediately, they have the flexibility to have some time to find a job that will accommodate their needs. Because they do yeah. exist, they're just very hard to find. They take some time and effort. Or to create a job, create their own business like dog walking or something like that. And they have the capital and they basically have the runway to -hmm. be able to do that and not have to go through a job that's going to burn them out, which then has residual effects. So I'm going to throw something at you. That's a great point. I cannot accept that only middle-class families have the luxury because you know your three-year-old is going to be 10 years old one day. You know your 10-year-old is going to be 18 one day. So if you know that you want your child to get a job, then you start early. You start finding when they're 10. Ooh, looks like they're interested in this. Oh, they said they want to do this. Let's go volunteer for a couple of Saturdays at the, the animal shelter. You start building that early. I know I'm being idealistic, but... I just refuse to believe we can't prepare. You know your child has a diagnosis. You know it's really crappy out there. So, well, you're knowing if you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> you, you, I mean, some people don't know, right? But when you do know, start, like start, you know, talk with other moms of kids. Like, you know, oh my gosh, both of our kids love to make Legos all day, right? What can we do with that? I don't know. Think of something, right? I have no idea. Um, How can you, you know, even something like if you know that your child is someone who loves to organize things and is very meticulous, right? Maybe they don't like to have a lot of conversation. They're just not, or maybe they're non-speaking and they use a device. Doesn't really matter. You know, for me, it's all the same. So thinking in terms of, if you know that's something that they as people say, are fixated on, right? Because that's the word that people say. Well, let's see. There are lots of jobs. You can go to community college for 18 months and be the lab person that organizes the blood samples. Boring job. But somebody who likes to do things meticulously loves to do that and they can get paid for it. So yes, it's going to take 18 months of college. Yes, what do we have to prep for that? Just like if you have any other child who's not autistic that wants to go to the Olympics or wants to go to be a doctor, what do you do? You start saying, if you want to get into med school, you've got to make good grades in high school. If you want to be this, then this is what we can start working on. Don't wait until they're 18 to discover what they could possibly do. That is my rant, suggestion, advice, strategy, 
because there's no reason we shouldn't be able to do that. I'm not saying it has to be a high priority in every day of your life, but we know our kids grow up. They don't stay little. So prep them like you do all of your other children. And if you only have one, read a book on prepping your kids. Call me. I don't know. What do you got to say, Torin? Got me all fired up. See, I agree with all that, but I think what you're using right now is what I call extraordinary. I shouldn't say, I need a, I need a phrase. So I couldn't say extraordinary bias, but like <laughs> extraordinary. I, I need a word for it. Basically, I have a theory. So I do not a theory. It. It's, it's, it's more of an observation. Uh, you're an, an extraordinary individual, meaning you've done a lot of things most people don't. You see the world differently than most people. Uh, if you want something, you go get it. Uh, your your work ethic is through the roof. Like when I, I'm her assistant, I see her schedule. It's through. It's insane. She routinely works like twelve hour days, seven days a week, and while still being a homemaker. Most people, especially from the lower classes, so generally, the poor you are. This is this is what Americans in particular have total understanding because it goes against what we're taught. The poorer you are, the odds are probably the harder you are working. Because mm-hmm. the more of, if you're poor, you're probably working more of a grunt job. Mm-hmm. Where the demands are higher, things are run more inefficiently, you're valued less, you're accommodated less just in general. Mm-hmm. So if you're a single parent or you're part of a low-income family mm-hmm. and you have multiple kids and one of, at least one of them has special needs, that takes a lot of work. Plus, you're working 10-hour days Plus, you're you're doing all this, especially if you're a single parent, yeah. to be able to do all of that and then still have to do all the extra stuff that you just mentioned. For a lot of people, is simply going to be impossible. The hours aren't there. The the mental capacity just is not yes. there. It which is a problem with a lot of different things. So that's why I made the statement that uh, for lower income, the the flexibility to be able to do some of the things we mentioned just isn't there or mm-hmm. isn't there anywhere to, to the same extent because you're, you're just working to survive basically versus in the middle class, you might have a spouse that's the breadwinner and you might be stay at home or might work part-time. You have more mental space freed up to do all the things you said. And my point being that if you have that space, if you're, if you have the luxury where you're not fighting to survive every day, paycheck to paycheck, if you have a little bit of comfortability, if your kid doesn't immediately need to contribute to household income, you can do all of those things and have them do all of those things because they can volunteer for stuff to build up their experience to make them more valuable. For example, they can spend a little extra time looking, writing down stuff, what do I like to do, what are my mm-hmm. skill sets, what are my interests, and looking things up. You can help them because a lot of these jobs aren't posted. A lot of them involve calling people and what you mentioned, going in, talking to them. Now, so now I don't think you recognize when you did this, but when you did this, you did it as the parent doing those things. Just because instinctively, you know, an autistic person is going to struggle to have to get on the phone with people, to have to set themselves up for rejection like that, to have to go into different businesses and not look weird as hell. Mm-hmm. We are going to struggle. So for those jobs, we need help with the communication aspect because it's not going to be as simple as but one of the reasons we end up working Chick-fil-A is you don't have to talk to anybody. You go in, you fill out an application, and they don't care how weird you look in your interview because they're desperate for bodies because they burn through people so quickly. Yes. So that's how one of the reasons autistic people end up in those jobs. 
they're low maintenance, the communication factor is less. If you want a more specialized job that will accommodate you more, you have to put in the work to go find it, but you also, it's almost like oxymoron because then you got to call people, you got to go in, you got to not look like a creep, you got to, because it's hard to set yourself up for rejection. You don't understand. Yes. The hardest part of communication is putting yourself I in a situation I, where I, you'll I, be rejected. Yes. So the parents are going to need to help with that. Yes. Like you said that automatically because of course they are, but a lot of parents don't get that. They think, okay, my kid's grown up. If they can yep. work, they can yes. call, they can cold call these people who don't know who the hell they are and yeah. be like, yo, can you hire my bum ass? Yeah. Like, no, 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 it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You have and to, I, you have to help with that. And I, I think that, um, I love what you said in terms of, you know, you have to support them. And just because you're making the calls doesn't mean that they're not independent. All of your children need different things at different times, right? Whether you have one child, it doesn't matter. Like sometimes they need you more here, sometimes they don't. So I'm gonna go back to what you said about the lower income, totally get it. I know I live in Stacy's world of this is what everyone needs to have passion about and do. However, I will tell you as a mother, and as a professional who has worked in Ninth Ward, New Orleans, the place that I think that was the most wonderful experience of my career, um, poor parents got some hustle. And you know what? You teach your kid how to wrap up those uh, praline candies that you make in the cell on the corner. You where there's a will, there is a way, Torin, and you can bring your kid, and if you're hustling to make money to make ends meet, teach your kid a skill set that they can do it along with you and build a family business of hustling if that's how you pay your light bill. I'm not saying illegal. That's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying, Torin. It's not I'm illegal saying... if you don't get caught. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I am not saying that people don't have circumstances that are very, very difficult. That is not what I'm saying. But it's also a situation where when I'm coaching parents and I recognize, I'm like, we have to work on you finding a support person, like whether that's a friend, another mom, because it doesn't matter what strategies I tell you, you can't do this by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. So parents have to come outside of their bubble of protecting themselves so that they can stretch a little to get in place for their child because our children grow up and typically we die first. That is the motivation by any means necessary, right? I am going to figure out what I need to, well, no illegal means, please. But it is, it's really about, and, and I say this torn, I'm not saying, I. I know I have families that I've worked with and children that I've taught that are born into shitty circumstances that have been shitty for generations and it's gonna be shitty for the next five generations, right? And there's nothing we can do about it. It is what it is in that scenario. However, many, many parents and having the, the claim to I'm a single mom, I have seen some single moms do some phenomenal stuff for their children because they put their children first. It wasn't their needs met first. It was their children's needs first. So I'm always thinking from that perspective of helping my parents understand if you don't teach them to wash their clothes, 
who's going to wash their clothes when you die? Because we typically die as moms and dads first. Typically. That's the way the pattern is. Sometimes, unfortunately, it happens a different way. But we have to remember our children grow up and we have to figure out what that's going to look like for them, how we can support them as they grow, not wait, like you said, until they're 18 without giving them any skills and saying, go out and do wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. So I was under the impression, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I was under the impression that human beings, like when we turn 18, we sort of just level up like video game characters where we just know all of these prerequisite skills we didn't know the day before. So what are you saying is you actually have to like teach your kids these sort of things like yeah. as they're growing up they they don't yeah. just they don't just learn it that that's yeah i didn't know that uh, but yeah. that's news to me holy shit you have to actually commit to parenting and it's exhausting my children are 26 and soon to be 24 next week and i have two beautiful granddaughters and i'm still parenting still parenting right i don't do as much hands on of course cuz my children are grown but you still have to guide them, right? Now, the other part of it is, and I'll just share a tip in terms of, I'm talking about prepping your kids. For example, when I work with families and they're, you know, yes, communication is our priority along with sensory regulation and, and all those other things that need to be the foundation. But I also make sure that my parents every, I actually throw one of my personal parenting strategies into my coaching strategy. And that is for my boys, every birthday, they got a present and a new responsibility, right? So as soon as you could stand and push the button to the washing machine, you learn how to wash your practice clothes because mommy doesn't play football and I have enough to do. So you're going to take over washing your practice clothes. So if we teach our children something new every year and I push my parents like, okay, what are we going to teach this summer? Schools are out. Let's go. What are we teaching? Are we teaching how to backpack our backpack? Are we teaching how to put our clothes ready for the week so we know how to get them out and get dressed on our own? What are we teaching? Because if we teach the little things, which are also job skills, those are also job skills. Those are life skills and job skills. If we do that, then when they're, it, half the list is done. It's done. Now, whether they marry somebody who does it for them, who cares? At least they're not to do it on their own, right? That's, that's, you know, that they're prepared to go and if they cannot do things well, then most of the time they're motivated to make enough money to hire someone or they marry someone who can do those things. People who can't cook typically marry somebody who can cook. People who are not really savvy with one thing in the household, but I mean, it's a balance. Well, uh, Stacy, is there anything else you'd like to say about this before we get going? Okay, what I will say is for parents, give your children grace. Um, support them, support them, but teach them along the way. Don't wait. If you already have older children, it's not too late. Just a little bit more work. For autistic individuals or teens um, and adults who may be listening, I would highly recommend think about what works well for you. Figure out how to communicate that to your employer if you can and bring your value to the table, right? And try if you can to choose. We all get jobs that we find out. That's how we learn, right? We, I mean, you know, I've had jobs and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, right? I'm not doing this. I'm going to finish college because I don't want to do this. Um, I mean, my motivation, besides the fact that I love to learn, 
I wanted to go to college to get a degree because I wanted a job where I could take off and still get paid in a dental plan. I mean, that was really my motivation. I want to call in sick, even if I'm not sick and still get paid. So you can't do that with a lot of jobs that are maybe minimum wage jobs. The last thing I will say is to anyone out there listening who has a small business or has a role in HR in a big company, find out how you can support autistic individuals in your workplace. Find out what benefits autistic individuals can bring to your workplace. And I think that this is going to spark my reminder to Stephen Shore that he needs to come and get on our podcast because this is what he does around the world. That's my final thoughts. Well, um, yeah, I, I really like that. And I'm definitely going to release these two episodes like back to back because I think mm-hmm. they offer a more complete picture. And thank you guys for listening. Remember to like, comment, uh, share with people who might need this, all that good stuff. And Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. See ya.